You're listening to The Max with Sterling and Taylor Mack. Highly opinionated, and you just might learn something. Come on in and enjoy the listen. Welcome back to another installment, ladies and gentlemen, of To The Max. It's been some... I rock the Atlanta hat. If you're listening to this, you can't see it. If you're watching it, you, you can you can definitely see it. But I rock the Atlanta hat proudly every day. Doesn't matter how far away I am from the A, the A is always in my blood. But with that comes the pains and struggles of being an Atlanta sports fan. It's tough out here, y'all. Super Bowl losses, 10 runs in the first inning against a team that should have never made it this far. The series should have been over two games before that. But Atlanta has taught me one thing. Never get your hopes up because they will come crashing down in historic or astronomical fashion. So I don't get my hopes up for anything, Sterling. Sorry. How how you doing, Sterling? Sorry. I, I just it uh it's, I'm doing well. Uh this we're recording this on Saturday. So before OU and Texas um kick off here. Um I'm I'm yeah, I, it took me I so I I get to the bar. What's the game Thursday? Yeah, I get to the bar Thursday as I order a drink, ordered a transfusion, great drink, and sit down, and it is eight to nothing, and you're just like, what just happened? Um, it's it's it's, it's one of the lower points I've had, and and it's tough, right? I've had a ton of low points as an Atlanta sports fan. The earliest for me is the 96 World Series because you're coming off of 95. At that point, I'm just starting to like, you know, we had season tickets. So you're just starting to like really, truly, quote unquote, become a fan. You're like a kid. Yeah. And the Braves are up 2-0 against the Yankees. And then they don't win another game. And then things just progress from there, right, within that whole – we call it a dynasty because they won 13 straight division titles. But one World Series title – uh, the last time the Braves won a postseason series was in 2001. That just hurts to say out loud. It hurts to say that out loud when you know that the team that they fielded for most of the, that run mm-hmm. was Tom Glavin, John Smoltz, and Greg Maddox, and Chipper Jones, and Andrew Jones, and Javi Lopez. That just Hall of Fame. It's mind-boggling. Um, yeah, and then to your point, right, I, I – uh, Big Cat actually did something kind of funny about this. I mean, it's crazy to go from like you have the Braves with all their failures. At one point, right, Michael Vick is the hottest thing in the NFL. He's on the cover of Madden. He's the first opposing quarterback to go into Green Bay and win a playoff game, and then he goes to jail. We bring a coach in from college who we think is going to – revolutionize the NFL and he skips out in the middle of the night to Arkansas. It, it's just, it's just insanity. And then you can bring the Hawks into this, right? Like the Hawks had the best record in the league. You knew it was kind of false. Like you knew LeBron was there, but then LeBron came in and swept them and it, it none of it was close, right? Like there was one game that was, I think game three in Atlanta was close. Right. Like that's the year that all five of the Hawks starters are, are all-stars. Like, 
it's just to your point, right? It is very difficult to get your hopes up and be a true Atlanta fan. And this is why at times I think Atlanta fans are very fickle, which which is also kind of a bad thing. I think we all could feel like this right now. Truth is I'm tired. Options are few. I'm trying to pray. But where are you? I'm all church hurt and abused. I can't pay. I think we all feel like that. Cause I'm just tired. Take me to the king. As an Atlanta fan, I ain't got much to bring. My heart's been thrown in pieces, but this is my offering. Super Bowl, baseball. Like you said, the Hawks, you could throw them in there, but like with the Hawks and the the Hawks and the Braves do the same thing. Make the playoffs, lose. Hawks, it's okay because I don't know. You're just like, it's it's what the Hawks do. But with the Braves, you're like, this team, there's something, there's something special about this team. And you have two budding stars, or actually, let's just to say you have a but one of the one of the um Acuna with the budding star. You have Freeman, who is a solidified star. Albies is coming into his own. Um, Josh Donaldson had a great year, and you're like, there, there's something about this team that could that could just go, and then that happens. But it's I'm gonna keep supporting. But are we just like the laughing stock of the sports world? Yeah, I started thinking about it, and I was like, of course, like, the Browns and Cleveland had been a punching bag for so long, right? Right. Uh, LeBron bringing them their first, like, I guess, kind of, like, true championship. I guess they won one before, like, the NFL merger or whatever. Right. With Jim Brown. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of, because I think everyone at some point expects an Atlanta team and even Georgia to that to that effect, right? To and I'm talking the University of Georgia football, to just fold at some point. Yep. To just something crazy is going to happen. Yep. The only thing with this one, and I'm to say this one with the game on Thursday with game five against the Cardinals, is there was no way for us to lose the game because the game was already lost in the first inning. Right. I was I was I'm I'm very optimistic and I thought that there was gonna be a moment where, like, you know what? This is us getting over that hill and we had our 28 to three moment. Now we're going to have the 13 to one moment and let's come back, make this come back. I know that's, I mean, it's basically impossible in baseball, but I, I was keeping my hopes up because I'm like, if they can put 10 runs out in an inning, why can't we do it? What, what, what What's wrong with us doing that? Um, and yeah, it, there was a point. The thing about that too, is in a game like that, a pitcher's mindset goes from, okay, I've got to battle every single pitch to I just need outs. Mm-hmm. How do I, how do I accumulate outs by in, in keeping them either off the scoreboard or, or them only scoring one or two? That first inning is so big. He walks Acuna, he being Jack Flaherty. He's actually 2-0 against Albies. Albies swings at a terrible pitch. And then the next thing you know, the count goes 3-2. Albies just like flips one in the left. I'm not saying, listen, the game is to your point, right? Probably over, but there's always weird swings in every, any type of game. 
Right. To me, the Albies and then Freeman, subsequent Freeman at bat where Freeman just rolls over are absolutely crucial because Jack Flaherty still like he had just run the bases. Again, he's up to nothing. To your point, like there's there's a moment there where the Braves could have capitalized, and of course it just doesn't doesn't Base, manifest. And then we had bases loaded uh with Freeman up, two outs, and you're like, oh, maybe we could do a two out rally. Nah, strikeout. Can that I can I can I do something on Freeman real quick? No slander will be accepted though. But you can yes, you can. No, no slander at all. I think I I think that's that's where I wanted to go with that is. That's maybe the worst any of us have ever seen him play. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> including the air in game five that kind of just opens up the floodgates. Um, I think what's also tough is he was the one or one of the more vocal ones that criticized Ronald Acuna for not running in game one, which he should have, right? Like it's ridiculous to hit a ball off the wall and only get a single. Right. But that's not the reason I think, there's been a ton of back and forth and Chipper Jones has jumped into some conversations like people trying to make Freeman, who is like the captain of the team, who his job is to hold Acuna accountable in that situation, trying to then extrapolate that as like, okay, if you hold someone accountable, then you have to be this, you, you then have to be perfect the rest of the series. And that's and I hate that. ridiculous. It, it, it is ridiculous. Um, that was going to be a, a point that I was going to say, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, He's in his second year, and I, I feel like the moments haven't been f- truly understood by Cunha, knowing of like, hey, yeah, you can pimp, you can pimp a home run out, you know it's gone. But like, I don't know. It just seems like there's some young, youngish moments that come out. I feel like I need him to just elevate it just well, a little bit. Maybe I remember, right? He's 21 years old. And- I know he's, still, he's young. I know, I know. But then it's it's one of those like, ah, he's gonna look back once he really gets the vibe of, the, of of being a professional. He's going to be like, you know what? You know, if I just jogged out a little bit, it's, it's, it could have been different. But, you know, you can't live in the past. You just got to learn from your mistakes. And I, I hope he does that. The thing that I, I – the only thing that I would tell him is, like, you, you know, Flaherty hits him with the up-and-in fastball in game five, which to me is complete BS. But more and more people are going to do that my thing is like you have the talent. Like he, he almost had a 40, 40 season at 21. That's right. mind boggling. Right. So there it's, it's great to play with bravado. It's great to play with like whatever flair you want to play with. I think the only thing is I, I, my only advice and I'm sure he won't even hear this, but you don't ever want to just irk the other team because if you saw Mike Schultz um, post game, Thing which I, I I can't believe that the Cardinals or someone in the Cardinals organization released that right. Like, I I am crazy. I wish I had that up. It, it was, but it was true motivation because they felt like he in some way was disrespecting them. Right. Right. And and not just him not running out the ball, which is a weird baseball thing. There, like until the game. Yeah. But it was just the way that he was, the way that he was looking at the pitchers, the way even the home run he hit off of. Uh, Martinez there in the in the ninth inning of uh, uh, uh two two yeah that uh, even it even two or maybe it came, whatever one either game one or two yeah yeah even that right like little things like that where that's my only thing is sometimes that that can absolutely motivate a team and, and it seemed like it apparently did the Cardinals were using 
the fuel from Acuna to, to figure out ways of getting back in the series. And obviously, ultimately, they did. Yep. And it just caused heartbreak. And now you have the, you have the Nats. That would have been a great series to, to have Nats Braves. That would have been fun. But St. Louis Nationals is, is terrible. I don't. I don't even want to watch. Baseball. They're both bad teams. Like They're it should be bad. the Braves and Dodgers should be in it. They have the most talent. It's just a shame. Well, I will say I said at the beginning of the year, I thought that it didn't really materialize, but it could as they go through the playoffs and they make this run. But I thought that the Nats made good pitching moves in the offseason after, you know, you have the departure of Bryce. And I thought they were trying to shore up a bullpen that has been very lackluster over the past three years. And uh, it's kind of I don't know if it's working out. I didn't watch I I didn't watch baseball for the past three days, but um, after yeah, it was tough. I turned it on last night. It's just like it's just it's ooh. Well, you know, you wake up to Kershaw being playoff Kershaw. Hate that that's that's his nickname, and it's a negative connotation that runs with that. Ah, it's that's that's tough. But baseball is baseball. Weird things happen. The swing of the bat in, in in MLB playoffs. Changes games. Changes well, momentum. That was, in the that was a booger Mafaro. That was. That's why I was trying to. I wanted to elaborate on it a little bit better. I was like, <laughs> I heard it right when it came out of my mouth. I was like, I added no substance. <laughs> that was literally the no swing of a bat there. changes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, booger. Um, but I mean, it, it's, it's, that is the truth. And it's, that's why it's so much excitement and so many things can happen. And it's just like, you know, every pitch matters, every at bat matters, and it's awesome. But then you wake up and you're like, oh, I thought, because I thought LA had it, and then you lose seven three. Let me ask you this before we do a whole thing on Kershaw. I guess let, let's do this on Kershaw to okay. get into it. He's one of the best pitchers of all time. Do you feel like his postseason failures make like does he not does he not become a first ballot Hall of Famer now because of that? And I think people forget, like, I think he's 31 years old. I think he's the same age I am. You know, I think it could affect, and I'll I'll parallel it with this. Mm-hmm. He's one of the he's one of the greatest pitchers. He's a great pitcher. But his woes in the postseason will hurt him when it comes to the votes. This is what I this is what I think. Now let's put it on the flip side different sport you have the greatest mediocre quarterback of all time oh wow eli manning but he's shown up in the postseason to get him some super bowl rings so you look at it that way and people people like oh he showed up in the playoffs it's unanimous for me that what a lot of writers are saying right now obviously he has to he has to wait this out i mean if, if he retires uh but they're saying he's a unanimous first ballot so I do think it will hurt Clayton just because people do look at the playoffs and say, when did you show up or, or how did you do? We, we, I'm not just going to look at the regular season and, and look at your ERA, which, I mean, it's mind-boggling, but uh, I think that it, it will affect him, unfortunately. Yeah, it's um, – I don't know. It's I, I compare him to another guy that was just, like, completely dominant through – uh the regular season at all times greg maddox right right greg maddox is one of the best regular season pitchers but when the braves needed a big game they would turn to john smoltz right or tom glavin right tom glavin's the one that closes up uh game six against the indians in 95 like 
I, I don't know. I, I, it's it's tough because – and Greg Maddox never had the same failures as Kershaw. But to me, there's something about – let's also say he should have never been in the game the other night. But yeah. there's something about your willingness as a dominant starter to go take the ball in the postseason out of the bullpen and and things just not go your way. Like I, It's hard for me to like completely knock you for it, right? But it, it is just a crazy thing to think about. He, he is so much of the Dodgers' success, but also so much of their failures mm. in not winning the World Series. Mm. Mm. Got to put that on a T-shirt. That was – Aristotle over here. Okay, I see you. That's good, right? You woke up this. You woke up this Saturday morning. You were like, you know what? I got the dictionary on me. I got the words with me this morning. Okay, that was nice. Uh, I I I agree. Um, I had a point, so I just just had to do what I just did. But um, yeah. Uh, you you look at like the Dodgers, and it's been the same old song. Mm-hmm. For the past three years, you saw. I mean, even when in the World Series, I, did you really feel that there's? Oh, this is the Dodgers World Series. That this is the this is the World Series for them to win. They had this. No, win. I felt like going to. I, I thought it was the Astros or Yankees to lose. So every year, it's it's kind of turning into postseason dominant Braves through the ninety to early two thousand wow. stretch. If you want to, we really want to parallel it. Because you're making these postseason runs, and then you're just losing. You hit the World Series and lose. Um, pitching falls apart, but you have Turner coming up to the plate, knocking out homers every single time, just about every single bat. But yeah, that's 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 kind of how the Dodgers are in, in my mind right now. That was a, a great comparison there. Um... Because very similar to the Braves, right? Like the Braves had a huge payroll because of the whole Turner deal and everything uh, back in the 90s and 2000s. The Dodgers, obviously with the Magic Johnson group, have a huge uh, ability to pay players as well. They've gone out and gotten people like Zach Grinke or um, uh, Manny Machado for seasons, things like that. Uh, so that's, that's a really good point there. Um, But as we continue, we're just – hey. Th- this is a pod about woes today, people, if you haven't already picked up on the theme. And we're going to continue it because slight football transition, because we, we slightly touched on the Falcons. But with all these teams, it seems like this is the one common theme that keeps happening with all of them. You're playing, and you think everything is going fine, but then one thing goes wrong, and then another, and another. And you try to fight back, but the harder you fight, the deeper you sink. Until you can't move. You can't breathe. Because you're in over your head. Like quicksand. Such an emotional moment. Shane Falco, man, coming through with that. Uh, Shout out Reed Terry as well. Giving me that video. And that is the mindset of these organizations right now. Once, especially mainly Atlanta. I was going to play that earlier for just the Atlanta talk, but it fits in with the Dodgers right now as well. Um, that's, have, I'm sure that's how Kershaw felt, right? It's like he's in it. He he 
gets out of the seventh, right? Pumps his fist. He gets uh, Adam Eaton out. And then first pitch, first curveball to Rendon. He golfs one out. And he's like, what? And then his next pitch to Soto. It's like he's already in it, right? The quicksand's like hitting him. And he's like, this next, very next pitch, just a tumbler. That's one of the farthest balls I've ever seen hit in Dodger Stadium. It has to be a terrible feeling when you're just like, I've got this pitch lined up. I hit my mark. This is this this is going to work. This changeup it is my best pitch. I got it. Felt the grip come off perfectly, and then boom, you get shelled, and you just stand there like I don't I don't know what to do. I just when you when you've done everything that you were supposed to do, maybe you miss just a little bit, uh, and then you just start getting rocked, and you're just like that's it. Just shakes your confidence. That always shakes your confidence when you're doing things the right way, but you're still just getting beat. And you're uh, on an island, right? Like there's just you're on this diamond with a middle circle and you're just by yourself. That's just, I don't think people understand how weird of a feeling that is. Like, so say, you know, you make an error, you're in the outfield. Yeah. You can hear it from people in the stands behind you. Um, but just as an athlete, baseball, basketball, football, soccer, when you mess up, there's no, there's nowhere for you to go. All right. You can mm-hmm. go into the dugout for a second, but you had to come right back out. Yeah, you messed up on the defense and football. You can sit on the bench, but you got to come right back out. And that feeling of loneliness, this is why you got to have your teammates. It's big to have your teammates to pump you up. That, but that, that feeling of just loneliness of, you know, how do I pick up, pick, pick myself up and pick the pieces up and keep on rolling is one of the hardest things you have to do mentally. Um, That's a, a great player. point just now because I, did you – and I didn't I, – I watched everything I, I recorded, so I watched everything the next day for the Dodgers. But, yeah. Or I guess from the fifth inning on. <clears throat> but Kershaw by himself on – so there, there's certain, like, etiquette with pitchers, right? Like, if a guy is rolling and he's on the bench, like, pe- typically people don't talk to him. Right. Or if, if anyone does, it's, like, the catcher and it's for, like, a second. Right. Um, and if a guy has a bad outing, right, they typically leave you alone for like a second and then someone's kind of joined you. Nobody joined Kershaw on the bench. And I found that incredibly heart wrenching. Cause the guy needed it. He needed it, but it's, I don't know if anyone knew. It's like that moment where it's like you, it's this emotional state where everyone's in and you just don't. I don't know how to console you in this moment. Cause I've, I've, I think everyone on the, on their team wanted it so bad for him to, to get through those couple outs there yeah. and it doesn't happen. And so they're trying to like recalibrate like, all right, we got to try to, now we're tied. We got to go win this game. But like my dude's back here. Like, I, right. It, it, I felt for him so bad in that moment, just by himself slunched over just like, Oh man. And then once the game's over with, you know, the inevitable jokes come out. I, you don't check. You probably He probably hasn't gone on social media at all. He probably, you know, he probably turned in his, his smartphone, got an old school flip phone. No apps, no nothing, just straight up phone calls. Because you, you just you have to unplug from the world after this and just you kind of have to go on a trip somewhere uh, to Waikiki, Bora Bora. Just relax. Um, That is a that is a big image because like you said you don't know you want to go over 
somebody should have went over. Nobody did. There's there's moments where people got to know, like, hey, you, you just let's pick him up here, you know. Yeah. Let's do something to to try and lift the spirits up. And then next thing you know, maybe the, maybe the Dodgers could have won. Um, I did want to hit the birds. Can we can we bring it back to the Falcons real quick? Of course. Well, we got Falcons, we got Browns talk. Um, I mean, there's a lot of NFL news, but we'll we'll start with the Falcons. And I don't understand how this team isn't good. And I say that I know we have defensive woes. Yep. And uh, I know coverage has been tough. We've had injuries. But on the offensive side of the ball, if we can't stop people, at least we should be able to put up points. Sanu, hella consistent. You have the best receiver, in my opinion, in the NFL, and Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. Matt Ryan can get the ball there. And sometimes. Uh, sometimes should make the – he's been making some weird decisions lately, but, you know, it's still Matt Ryan. You got Devontae Freeman back there. You got Edo Smith after trading uh, or letting Tevin Coleman go. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense why this team can't put up points to then help out the defense. There's there's no reason for the re- for the Falcons to have the record that they have right now. All I can I'm just gonna go with it. It's the curse. That's it. But in all reality, ever since 28 to three. This organization has not been the same. It doesn't matter how many times you want to put up in brotherhood, all these slogans. All it is is you're masking the pain and not addressing the issue of what happened to this organization. That Super Bowl has hurt us a lot more than what they want. people want to really admit. It's a ghost in the building. It's the elephant in the room, and we aren't over that hurdle. And we got to stop doing these. These slogans aren't helping nothing. I could I could do up as many slogans as I want, bring in a marketing team, but it's not gonna change what's inside the building. That's it. Um, I'm gonna compare it to something, and some people might extrapolate this um, in a different way if they want to. That's all good. It's like you getting to the finish line <clears throat> with um, a significant other, and all of a sudden things fall apart, right? Say you guys got engaged and then the engagement gets broken off. So then you kind of jump back out there, you know, you find somebody new, things are going well. People ask you about it. Then they kind of don't want to ask you. Time goes on. So they kind of stop asking you about it. Yeah. Cause they, you know, they're like, Oh, he seems fine. Right. It seems good. Okay. Whatever you want to say. Um, to your point, though, in reality, what the person did is just try to like patch up what was the void, right? Right. Instead of truly addressing like what it, what what happened and also like how to move forward, we, um, we put a flex seal over this uh, crack that we got, large exactly. gaping crack that is leaking, exactly. and we put a flex seal patch just like the commercial. And we're we're holding on with that right now, but it's it's not working. And to me, the the biggest issue, right, is not biggest issue. I, I hate to say that. I think Dan Quinn has done a pretty good job. I do too. I think I at some too. point, though, you have to look at what happens from twenty eight to three. The fact that whatever happened in, in those last 
the the from ten minutes on in the third quarter to the end of the game, he was shell shocked just like we all were. We don't we don't win the game. The next year, right? We bring in a new OC because they Kyle Shanahan leaves, and the I think the thing that I to your point I always go back with is mm-hmm. Dan Quinn is a defensive guy. We're up twenty eight to three. And the defense couldn't get a stop. Correct. Obviously, a game, a game, a week five game against the Texans isn't as big as the Super Bowl, but the Falcons could not stop Deshaun Watson last week at all. 41, at all. 41 points in fantasy. Like he he did whatever he wanted to do, and at some point, you can bring in different OCs. You can start calling the players. You can do whatever. At some point, we have to say like Dan Quinn's defense has not figured out a way to help, to your point, a really, really good offense maximize what it is, right? The defense can't get stops. Our offense then is put in positions where they're they're backed up. And then if the offense stalls out, then the defense is back on the field and they're they're gonna have another score. It, it's just really, really bad up. synergy. It's throwing exactly. it, it it really is. Um, so at, to me point. at this point it's all on Dan Quinn. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, I think Dan Quinn has done a good job and I know people were calling for his head and I, I like that Alter blank came right out and said, no, I'm not thinking about it. We all know he's thinking about it, but he, of course he cools it off and obviously that'll go to the postseason or to the end of the season. And then whatever happens happens. Uh, but at least he's giving DQ this, the rest of this season with no apparent stress. I think um, that's fair too. It's very fair. Uh, I, first off, shout out to off the blank. I don't know when this man's going to get a statue in the city of Atlanta for everything he's done, but shout out to author blank. Does it the right way from how he's handled home Depot to how he's, uh, to how he's helped the city. I mean, author author blank been doing some, doing the right things and then bringing out the model for uh, a family first pricing in Mercedes Benz stadiums, but that's, 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 that's whatever. That's on another point. Uh, but yeah, DQ has done a good job, but you said it exactly. I'm not going to, you know, parrot exactly what you said again, but he's got to wrangle in this defense. Um, makes no sense. And we'll see with him being the play caller. Now, if that will change, obviously Texans was a very bad game, very bad showing. Um, it was embarrassing. But yeah, I mean, go to the Super Bowl as a head coach. The head coach's position is you hear in the headset, hey, it's second and three. I want to run a seven-step drop play action. <laughs> what the hell you just say? What? Wait, say that, Chuck. Wait, say Charlie. No, no, do not give the ball to Freeman. Give the ball to Freeman. That's what you, you gotta you gotta X these plays out. That is you are the final trump card. You use it. You can veto whatever you want to do. That's what you got to do as a head coach. You make them tough decisions. But some people don't got it in the blood. You know, some people like when they play in CAA are mad and you're like, ah, I could do this audible, but I feel like they I've done this audible too many times. They know it's going. So I'm just going to I'm just going to hope this play works that I chose. And then you end up throwing picks and you make the wrong decision because you don't got the gall. You don't got the, the wherewithal to make that right decision to have it in your gut and be like you know what if i mess up i mess up but i don't think i will because it's the right call and he hasn't done that yeah agreed or maybe yeah i mean but or maybe he has been doing it and it's been the wrong calls but uh falcons have just been very disappointing what also is disappointing is seeing i this it's kind of it's really starting to annoy me with these announcers 
and pundits, um, like for the for the Browns, OBJ is they're talking about trading OBJ, blah 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 blah. Why create unrest for a team just because you can make a headline? I don't like that. Like, yeah, Baker had a bad game. Uh, one he's th- been look, he's been bad. We can say that. Yeah. Okay. I love Baker. I think he's been bad. I do. I do too. But Baker, Baker had a bad game versus um the Niners. One of those picks wasn't his. Uh, but he's made some bad decisions. That changes, that changes the game too. It completely changed the game. Callaway, if they. It was a slam. I mean, ball's a little bit on his hit, but he threw it low, so you should be able to corral it, fall into the end zone. Um, that would have brought it to a one-score game, and then they would have been down four. Yeah, yeah, and then instead they pick that and run it back all the way past the fifty. But I don't like all these pundits coming out and like, oh, you know, I think Colin Cowherd started it. I think they should trade. I think they should trade OBJ, trade him to like Washington to get. A lineman. Would you rather have a lineman to block for 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 Baker? They do need a lineman, but you don't trade OBJ. OBJ is just as good as having a lineman for how you can stretch the field if you run the right plays, Freddie Kitchen. So thank you. That there's the issue, right? Now that offensive line is not good, but the issue is, and we we've said this multiple times on the pod uh, yeah. at the beginning of the season. Can Freddie Kitchens, with all that talent and everything and all the expectation, be able to handle and manage all that? And so far, he has not passed that, right? Um, and the thing that I don't understand, right? <clears throat> OBJ can get open almost every other – so can Landry. Like, mm-hmm. those guys can get open at any time. Then you you now bring Callaway back, who's just an absolute burner, right? Mm-hmm. They've got two pretty good tight ends. And then you've got Nick Chubb. Like, how are you not devising an offense that is just the ability to get these guys into space at all times? Exactly. And Baker is a guy that can also create and and get out of the pocket and do things like their play calling has just been like absolutely atrocious to begin the season. Yeah. Um, and to me, that's that's the biggest issue right now. That and the fact that the offensive line has not played well. I I agree. I I think Kitchens has the ability, or the the Browns' offense has the ability to do what the Patriots do. I'm not saying you have Tom Brady behind back there, yep. but you can literally do pick your poison. Who who do you want to? Who do you think that you can stop today? Because if you think you could stop them, I'm gonna go over here. We don't care who's getting the ball. But Freddie Kitchens is for. Why are you running all He's these end into rounds, double passes with OBJ. Like, like that's a, it's a four speed. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah, like, we, we, stop it. Just let the game come to these players naturally. If Jarvis goes off one week for 100, all right, cool. You get the dub. OBJ goes off, cool. All these players care about is getting the dub. And then if they're like, all right, I, and we have the offense figured out, it can be anybody's day or we can all go off with the only constant being Nick Chubb because that boy needs the rock and just runs. Uh, then you roll into week eight or week 10, you get Kareem Hunt back. Now you have a quadruple monster, however you want to do this. And you can go backfield Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. You can't stop the uh, the swing passes. You can, you'll have open lanes, uh, bigger lanes opening up. There's so much you can do with this offense. And I, I, I just, it, it makes no sense that you haven't figured it out. But then everybody's like, oh, now they need to put OBJ up for the trade block. No, not at all. You, that's the dumbest thing. 
Right. It's like, how is he the issue? Right. I. They always make OBJ out to be the issue, and all this brother does is come into work, work hard, and then his emotions do come out sometimes on the sideline. But I've never, you've never seen OBJ except for the boat. the The boat was bad. I don't know why they uh, was the, it though. Why is it? But why take a trip down? Well, it was they won the wild card or not, not the wild card? Uh, yeah. They won the wild card. They won the wild card. Then they took the trip down to Miami. Everybody got the Tims on the boat, like this is <laughs> any given Sunday. And then they lose the next week. And you're like, why did everybody just go down on a Thursday or a Wednesday to Miami for no reason? So I it was like, actually, you know what? I think they had a bye. That is right. They did have a bye. So they played in the division series or division game, excuse me. To your point, it looked like a genuine 2000s video. Yeah, and <laughs> all you needed was somebody out the front with a with a well, uh, silk shirt open like this, arms wide open like it's the Titanic, and then Leo and Titanic. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get. It. Um, yeah, I mean, it didn't make any sense. They didn't need to do that, but that's not what the reason they lost the game. It's not, but I think that's OBJ's only misstep when it comes to. I can go um, with, you know, the media and his perception. But if you talk to any player that's been in the locker room with OBJ, they're like, man, dude's genuine dude. He just works hard. Does he like to dance? Sure. Everybody likes to dance. He's having a good time. He enjoys coming. He's enjoying coming into work. Um, but he's never – I don't like the, how they put him on the distraction level of, right. you know, like T.O. Right. Yeah, it, it makes no sense. He hasn't done anything as close to that. And then you keep pumping that in the air – and then it's everybody believes that now, but that's not the truth. So that's what's really been annoying. Um, but I think Cleveland will end up turning it around. Mahomes looking a little wobbly down there in KC. Uh, but I think the only biggest, the biggest other storyline, in my opinion, is uh, the Steelers. And why hasn't Tomlin brought in Colin Kaepernick? You have like, was Devlin Hodges starting? Devlin Hodges will be starting. He came in, looked okay. Apparently, people in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Radio, is, they are excited about my man Devlin okay. out there, um, which is interesting. But, um, yeah, man, I, I don't know if you saw what Kaepernick's agent said recently, right, that he's contacted every team, reached mm. out to them multiple times, hasn't mm-hmm. really gotten anything back, which is pretty rare. In any context, right? Um, listen, I, I think we—I mean, we've said it multiple times. I, there's no way he plays again. I think we all understand why, and I'm not gonna say it is what it is. Like he—he he, he decided to take on a social issue, a social justice issue. He did. He felt very strongly about. I mean, hey, that's, the, that's how America works. You, you, you can. You have the the. Ability to have the whatever free speech you want, and people can react to it how they want to. Right. But my thing is like, if you want to win, if you're really serious about winning, why wouldn't you pick him up? It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. But so actually, it, that is a great point, right? Are the Steelers now like okay? So they're one and four. At this point, do you want to win? Like you might as well try to get the best quarterback you can in the draft pick, right? You assume Ben Roethlisberger's done. I don't know what you think of uh mason rudolph so at this point you know you've got five to seven top quality quarterbacks coming out in this draft like 
you might as well try to go three and thirteen and then see what happens. That's what that's my thought. I, I don't I don't disagree with that, but let's let's take a look here because the AFC let North me, is, is. Let me say a caveat game. there. The only caveat is they traded their first round pick. Uh, correct, but then got a fifth round back for um, Josh Dobbs. Though I mean, it is it's fifth round. I mean, Pat's look at that. That's a first round pick for them. But uh, this year the AFC North is historically bad. You have the Ravens sitting at three and two. Cleveland is at two and three, and then the Steelers are one and four, one and four, and the Bengals are zero and five. So you can actually still squeak out the AFC North. Um. If you if you invest and put your chips in, but do you want to, like you said, but you could. I, yeah, I just don't know. I think the Ravens is that team play. built long term. I think you have to look at it in two ways. Do you give up this season to try to figure? Yeah. I mean, the tough part, right, is again they don't have a first round pick, so they'd have to trade up or trade some sort of asset right. to go get a quarterback. Or do you just like to your point, like? Okay, if they bring in Colin Kaepernick, what is he? What's his record on the Steelers? Let's just let's just do this. What is if they actually brought him in? What is the Steelers' record moving forward? Uh, let's be honest. About the last time we saw Cap play, you got five games in already. You got eleven left. I think. He could give you a solid four wins, five wins. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking – my, my thought is he would go 500, right? Just because you're learning a new offense, you're not going to open up the playbook. He's going to be using his legs. Um, and then you got to get it to Juju. But it would – I mean, the way that they've been running this Wildcat, now you don't have to bring in a specific running back. You have your quarterback do that. And you just you can throw out of it. So I think it, it could work. It's not like the Wildcat offense is going to be that complicated. Um, and do you, you think the Pittsburgh fan base, fan base no, would not at all? They protest okay. saw the protest for Mike Vick, dog killer. We love our dogs here in Pittsburgh. Vick, go home. Oh, they, I mean, they picketed him, picketed him hard. But I mean, you go outside of Pittsburgh, you, you got some. There's some, there's some good diversity in Pittsburgh, but um, no, the Steelers fans, it would. I, I I don't think I don't know. I think it will be. They would say the media would come down to be a distraction for a week. But if Cap comes out and like balls, it'd be like you know what, we stand behind him. I think organizations like the Steelers, um, you can go with New England teams. You can go with the Browns. Let's go with New any New York team. Those fan bases, yeah, you can come in with something. Philly as well. Baltimore can be included in this as well. Um, but. If you come out and you you are a hard worker and you sh- and it shows out on the field, out on the court, out on the pitch, fans end up respecting respecting you. They respect you for your hustle that you put out on the field. Well, I've said this many times, and I didn't really realize this until now. Like fans, hardcore fans are blue collar, right? Uh, yeah. So if they feel like they you associate to them right with hard work, hard working. "Quote unquote." Oh, you can come in, date uh, their daughters. Yeah, they 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 feel like you are a part of them, right? That they right. you have something relatable. Um, I, I just don't see Colin Kaepernick going anywhere right now. That would make sense. To your point, I think the only Philadelphia, 
because of who their owner is. Right. The Patriots because of who their owner is. The Browns because of who their owner is. And the Niners because of who their owner is. Are the only people that I see Cap having an, a, a chance of going to. What about KC with Andy Reid? No, because of the owner. But he did, uh, but it's the owner with Vic and Philly. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, right, yeah. exactly. So Andy Reid was in Philly when Vic came back. Right. So I don't know. That's that's just that. And then I guess the other, the last storyline you kind of have is, uh, and I said this before, you got 9.30 tomorrow morning. I don't know. Why, why aren't they letting him play at 1 o'clock? I told you this three weeks ago. Oh, I God. said Jameis Winston looks like he is finally or has somebody who is maturing him as an individual, as a as a man. And Buddy has been playing well. I mean, would you expect the numbers? I'm pretty mad last week. Mike Evans didn't get a catch. I was I was very upset about that. I don't know how you don't target him at all. But Jameis has been playing better. I don't want to. We won't have to stick on this. But all I'm saying is uh, I might be right by the end of the year. Jameis might have turned over a new leaf. Uh, he has looked better since that week. What was that week two game Thursday night game against the Panthers? Yeah. Ever since then, he's, he's been pretty competent. Um, <clears throat> he still will make a couple throws every game that you just scratch your head. You're just like, what did you just see there? Yeah. Um, but to be honest, you can say the same for Matt Ryan or a ton of quarterbacks right now. So yeah, I mean, it's been, it, <sighs> Listen, I think Bruce Arians, we've all known he's a really good offensive mind, really good with quarterbacks. I just I, I just still don't see it being sustainable. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, I did kind of I, I probably should have talked about cap last so we can make this transition because it's the NFL doing this. And right now we have the NBA possibly not even possibly doing the same thing when it comes to the NBA and the China situation. Do you want to enlighten people on what has uh, transpired with the NBA versus China? Yeah, this is tough. So hopefully this is whatever. Um, China and well, first you have to start with what, why this all became a thing is because Daryl Morey, Daryl Morey, excuse me, down in Houston sends out a tweet and says, I think it was something like free, you know, like free Hong, free Hong Kong. Kong or something like that. Essentially. Our Which, democracy, free Hong Kong. Yeah. So if you don't know, there's been a ton of protests going on uh, within Hong Kong, um, essentially on with the unrest of what the Chinese like government has been trying to do. Yeah. If so know- this goes back a long, long time. So I think that's the first part. It didn't just – I've heard a lot of people be like, oh, it started because uh, this guy killed somebody and he went back to China – went back to Hong Kong and then – the whole extradition and then China came out with a bill. It's like, eh, it's not exactly that. Those are all true facts, right? Those all, those things happen. And that's why the protests are going on because of the, the extradition, the extradition bill and some of the other uh, aspects that China wants to uh, essentially push with their police and, and their police reform onto Hong Kong. That is wholeheartedly true, right? Facial recognition to the expedition. Uh, um, I just you said the word. I just lost it. But extradition? yeah, extradition. I was paying expedition. But if people also, I'm going to add in for the history portion of it. If people don't know, Hong Kong is its own separate entity to Beijing, China. So mainland China and Hong Kong are two different things. So if you didn't know that, 
you got to go from that's well they're not different. They're not different. Well, they're so Hong Kong has always been. It's like two separate entities, right? Within one, right? Okay. And Beijing, mainland China, is trying to now get a stronger hold onto Hong Kong, and mm-hmm. the citizens of Hong Kong are not standing for it because they know what that means. And uh, you have millions of people protesting, and then you have the owner, or sorry, the GM for the rockets. rockets tweet out, you know, democracy and free Hong Kong. And then we so, which is difficult because one, again, China is a, has always been an impressive state, right? So Hong Kong wanting democracy or wanting to maintain their democracy and free press and all those things is a huge deal, right? Um, this, what becomes really difficult with this is China is the largest outside partner for the NBA. Right. Uh, and the money that is aligned through this from partnerships with shoe deals, <clears throat> as well as a huge TV deal is. Um, uh, let's just say it's 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 upwards, right, of, I believe, like 500 million to like a billion dollars. Uh. Right. For the next like couple of years. Uh. So the money loss for the NBA could be substantial. And as we've seen. Since the tweet has happened, China has severed ties with the NBA as far as some of like Anta, which backs Clay Thompson, has pulled back sponsorships. Uh, China has said that they will not be broadcasting games, which is a huge hit that actually might affect the salary cap moving forward for next year. So that's incredibly huge, right? Uh, so the salary cap actually might go down if this continues. Uh, the other part of that is the press, right? So again, China is an oppressive state. So they have now pulled back any like media availability for China and the NBA, which is again big because the NBA has grown so much over there. And the other part of this, which is kind of the kicker, is that Houston is the biggest uh, brand or the biggest team over in China because they obviously used to have Yao Ming right. uh, and everything that they used to do from there, and then they've grown. So. Uh, it's an absolutely huge deal, uh, incredibly complex because this has again been centuries in the making. Um, the one thing that people have to also like remember about Hong Kong is they used to be under British imperial rule, so they actually Hong Kong was just given back to China in like '97. So yeah, right. there's a, there's there's so many levels to this, and and if you're Chinese looking at this. Um, having somebody quote unquote from like a, you know, obviously us also being uh, having ties to Britain and things like that. And, and us kind of just like tweeting something out like that is um, to them just a huge slap and disrespect. Right. Um, and so it's, it's, it becomes difficult because do you feel this is where this is now the question that we have to kind of talk about is as a person in a free state or free to, democratic state do does morality go before business right and your it really becomes your own morality right because there's nothing that anybody in the nba is going to do that's going to change anything from an international perspective right correct 
that's where I think it becomes difficult, and that's where that's where we're stuck right now. And then uh, Adam Silver did release a statement, and you know, paraphrasing, basically saying uh, we don't control what you know employees of the NBA say. So say basically saying you could say whatever you want as an NBA employee, but then you have you know press conferences where I feel like there's been an internal memo. Uh, unwritten internal memo that's like, hey, we're going to strike down these questions. Let's, they're not asked. We can't get them asked. We may not have to answer them. But the outside perception is you can say whatever you want. Um, and to Sterling's question of, you know, morality to business, if you're, um, you know, if you're the league that has been championing themselves as the moral compass slash barometer or however you want to you phrase it for professional leagues. I, I feel you have to make the right choice here and switch and yeah and, and you have to go with morality over business if that's if that's what the case is. But um I don't know if you're gonna see that because like you know Sterling was saying you have you have Clay Thompson, you have Steph Curry. I think LeBron James is uh currently over in China right now, you know, doing, doing his tour as they're doing preseason. They didn't show the Lakers game at all. So, I mean, there's, there's so much invested over in China from the NBA that ah, you're just, it, it, it makes it a tough call for the league, but in my opinion, it ain't tough. Yeah. You, you draw the line in the sand for morality and you step up for the people that are feel that, that are, being oppressed at the given moment. Um, it w- will affect future contracts, and that's when everybody's gonna be like, hold up, do we do we need to be saying something, or should we uh should we just be quiet here and let these pockets continue to ride? And that kind of parallels to, to Kaepernick. And, and if people on you on the outside looking in, you're like, All right, well, you're a league that's been saying, you know, blah, 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 and how people should be doing this and been doing that. NFL should have been doing this, but then when it comes to y'all's pockets getting messed up a little bit now you quiet over here now 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 you the big bag in nfl so it's interesting i want to see how this all will play out um i think we're going to continue to hear deafening silence uh from the nba essentially but it will be very interesting i think that's unfair because um yeah the, the tough thing with that right is this is international, right? Take Steve Kerr, right? Correct, so correct. Steve Kerr's, you have to start, right? Steve Kerr's father is a, was murdered, right? Internationally. So for him to wade in the like waters about something that he just doesn't, again, when you have centuries of history, something that like we didn't experience, it's very different than talking about racial issues that you see every day, right? right. In your own country. Right. I think that's where it's it's in not to say BS on what you just said, but like people that have been saying, oh, well, the NBA is so woke, but then they won't talk about China. It's like, yeah, like if I see something in my own community, like I should you should talk about it. Uh-huh. There are people like there's LeBron doesn't live in China. He doesn't live in Hong Kong. Right. So for LeBron to like, I'm, of course, LeBron has a personal just like, hey, I think everybody should be able to be free and do their own thing. Take. But in this case, it, from an international perspective, it just you can't really say that, right? Because you know what I mean. It just doesn't make sense to say that. I like, mean, what else he he, he is in China. I mean, all right, but so I I, I 
I understand what you're saying. I mean, LeBron's in China currently. I don't think anybody in the NBA is going to say anything at the moment because well, everybody need to come home first off. You don't also need that. you don't need passports getting X'd out at the at the airport. Now you have you know stars stuck in China. Let's 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 be real on that one because that will happen. Um, so I think you want to be quiet on this to all teams come back, all personnel come back, NBA personnel come back. Then you could probably say something. But I mean, let's 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 go international waters. Let's look at Raheem Sterling who, you know, comments for things that have happened in Europe, but also parallels it to things that have happened in America. But he doesn't live here every single day. It's not on him to say something, but he has made that comment. He has made he has made parallel comments. And I think if it's something where you're financially directly pulling from, I think you can be somewhere on the line. I know you're not going to affect international policy. That's way above the, everybody else's pay grade. But if you are a business that's over there, you can say something. I I think, but it'll affect, mm-hmm. it will affect your like you said contracts next year if they continue to you know take away the rights for showing. But that's just that's how I feel. I think that's difficult. I I work for a company that has multiple manufacturing facilities in China. Right. I'm sure I'm speaking for my own self right now, so I'm not affiliated with my company during this during this conversation i'm sure there are people within our company that have a take on hong kong right it does not behoove them right to give those takes because it affects business right and this is where i started this conversation we started this conversation is your own personal morality bigger than business and i don't i if it doesn't move the needle to your point, what you just said, I think is interesting. If, if LeBron or Steve Kerr says something here, there can actually be a discussion on policy. Something can actually change, right? Can. If, if, if you talk, if you be just because you have shit, all of them have, if if you wear Nike, right? You have a business interest that is in China, right? Mm -hmm. If you have a, if you have a problem with some of that, or you have a a morality, you know, whatever take that you want to talk about with Hong Kong, right? That then affects business, but does that affect policy? No, it, it nothing's changing because you tweeted something or said something, as opposed to China and Hong Kong. But if you tweet something and say something here because of your influence, right? Now in discussion, now something can change here in America because you live here and you have that 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 ability right it, I, I, to me that's two different things i i see what you're saying but let's say in comparison yeah you can have uh i don't i mean you can have your you can you can have companies that that have business dealings that are in china you obviously don't want to affect business and you're not going to affect change if, you, if you're an employee at one you know not at a at an that's at the scale of a nike and you're not, you know, high level at a Nike or something like that. The visibility of the NBA is where the, is where this comes in in the play. The visibility, the the wide range and reach that they that they do have when it comes to influence. So, like sure. you said, like you said to start out with, you know, you have a GM tweeting free democracy or democracy free Hong Kong, and how that galvanizes those Hong Kong protesters. Um, because you have a major support from a major conglomerate in the United States that does business dealings that could possibly have maybe maybe slight influence because you have a lot of people that love the NBA. So now you cancel out the NBA. You said the NBA is not welcome here. 
you could continue to have civil unrest by your from your citizens. And what if the NBA was the spark that could, that completely changed democracy in China? Because you have, I mean, it's not to this scale. I don't think every citizen in China uh, loves the NBA like that or watches the NBA. But I'm just playing on hypothetical. You just have such more, so much more visibility uh, and an influence that if you did draw the line in the sand somewhere um, and said, this is our stance on it. I know we can't, we don't influence international policy, but this is how the NBA wants to, wants to view things and let it go. I think it's no problem. I think, I think that's fine. And then, I mean, Adam Silver did say people can say whatever they want to say. Um, but at the end of the day, pockets will be hurt because it's China. Um, and what way do you want to go now? Yeah, I'd like that's people. Like, that's like that's like you asking a K-pop star to talk about racial issues in America. I, I just think that's I just but think it's they, But 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 no. I feel like they have. No, they haven't. I, it's just like a, I just think it's a ridiculous. But first off, K-pop is it as big in America? I mean, ages ages six to twenty-one. Yeah, is it really that big? It's pretty big. I've missed yeah. it. I know K-pop is like is huge internationally. I didn't know if it Shut really. Up. I don't know if it really made it. If it's made its way, I didn't know. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm pretty big. I really don't know if it's made its way like that to the U.S. And so that's that's interesting to know. Um, but the, you see, what I'm saying though, I just think it's. I, I I just feel like to your point, I th- there is a point right that if you if you feel like you have this this global reach, you should not obviously allow your players to voice their opinions on certain things, but then is it your, your question is if you have a global reach, should your job be to try to change or affect international policy? But I think you could say something. I don't know. That's, if that's what gonna... you just said. You said like they could change to have democracy in China was, because the that NBA. Was a, like, that, was, that was a full hypothetical. Of every if every citizen loved the NBA and they're like, you know what? Oh, what NBA isn't going to be playing anymore. Y'all taking away my NBA. Now nah, I'm hitting these streets. I'm out here. I'm protesting for the. I'm, I'm, this is, it's it's a wild hypothetical. It's not fully serious, but all I'm saying is is I think that the NBA could play this in a, in a good way and say something. Um. I think you could take the morality over business on this one. I think you could, but it's a lot of money that's going to be affected, and that's right. Par- that's why I paralleled like, it sorry, to the NFL not letting cap in because they think that it's going to affect their dollar signs. There is there is an interesting parallel to the silence, right, of of James Harden and Russell Westbrook and LeBron as they've been over there. I will say though, it's different when you have international issues at stake as opposed to. Homegrown. Hey, we want to talk about social injustices and racial inequalities. I don't. I don't disagree. I, In I your own backyard. I, I don't disagree. I mean, I'm just you know, I understood why I didn't. I didn't know the the backstory with Kerr's father. Uh, but I completely understood why. At the I don't moment, think he's. I don't think he can actually like. Talk. I don't think he's I in would. such a difficult situation there. Like his father was murdered, right? Um, politically, right. So I I don't know if I don't know how what he's allowed to say and all that stuff. Like I, someone was telling me this, and and I don't know how much I can actually say from our conversation. But like when things like that arise, there's only like you're then. I'm not saying he's protected by the CIA or stuff like that, but like he has information that he 
may not be able to meddle into because of like security reasons mm. because of that right i think there's just a like he has a, he's in a weird position there, yeah from what i understand well the nba is going to be in a weird position so it's going to be interesting to see what happens but uh we continue to appreciate everybody listening Keep, keep on supporting us and uh, subscribing to at to the max on uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and at to the max radio on Instagram, Twitter, all things social media. So we appreciate y'all listening and continue to rock with your boys. Y'all have a good week, weekend, week. We'll be a week or however you, whenever you want to listen to this. This is to.